All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> Today is uh, June the 30th, and uh, we had a guest, but uh, <laughs> something happened. So, for the longest time, and actually, this is sort of a, a re, this is like a remix back to when we first, first, first did the podcast. It's just you and me. Hey, I'm the guest. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome because I, I miss um, – I was just telling you earlier that I listened to you know some of our earliest podcasts. I think episodes one through six where it was just you and I. We're just talking about concepts and what have you and, mm-hmm. and also what we thought about what we want to do with the podcast. And uh, so now we're back to sort of just sort of um, just stream of conscience talking about you know what we think about uh, – about life, about uh, our careers in theater, about the podcast, about our upcoming uh, project, Four Men in Paris, about all sorts of stuff. And also, I should be remiss about talking about what's happening today. The protest, um, uniting, what is it, restoring our families? Uh, Yeah, um, bringing families together. Bringing families together, yeah. I I think there are different ones, you know, different places have found ways to. Mm -hmm. This all happened so fast, you don't get that slick marketing this is one thing. It really is, and it's a groundswell. Yeah. You know. It's amazing. It's, it's one of the cool things about social media. You can have an event happen, let's say, a week ago. So it was a week ago where, you know, the one child po- – where the, um, the – what is it? The, the zero tolerance policy implemented by Jeff Sessions, uh, you know, and the Trump administration separating kids from families. Really, it was sort of a game of poker. It was a game of chicken right. to get Congress <coughs> to vote to build the wall. In exchange for, you know, families being put back together again, and it didn't work. Well, I would say, um, you know, because that's that's sort of the the left Mm -hmm. cynical side of it. Um, Legitimately, immigration has been a problem for a long time. They've been talking about it, and Mm -hmm. you know, I I love that phrase, kicking it down, kicking the can down the road. Kicking the can, yeah. So they've been doing that for decades, Mm -hmm. and Trump basically said, "Well, let's get this done." So, you know, I'll give him I'll try to give him credit for what he actually does <clears throat> even when he doesn't do it in a thoughtful way, even when he does it, you know, he's a bull in the china shop and he makes more of a mess than he does. He clears space, but he yeah. does it by making a huge mess. Well, let me ask you this question because I've been thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Is it a crisis? Was it a crisis? Because in my thinking, it was 2010 when people started talking, where the Republicans started talking about, oh, my God, look at these. I mean, we've had immigrants come into this country from the beginning, yeah. from the very, very beginning. I mean, you know, America was founded by uh, immigrants, right. unless you're a Native American. Um, but as far as Latinos, uh, Mexicans, Hondurans, uh, Venezuelans coming in across the border, we've had that going on for a long time. And right. It was never it was never a crisis during the Reagan administration, during the George Herbert Walker Bush administration or during the Clinton administration. Um, but and, and, but I think 2010, John McCain is running for um, for office. He'd been defeated two years ago by mm-hmm. Barack Obama, mm-hmm. uh, and he's running for the Senate seat. And now the alt-right, um, what they used to call the uh, – the what was the, the term Bar that they called right, it? The Tea Party. The Tea Party, yeah. The Tea mm-hmm. Partiers had sort of rose up. Mm-hmm. And there were these Tea Party candidates that were popping up all over the place, challenging the incumbents, right. the moderate Republicans. Right. And the moderate Republicans had to say, "Well, so-called I moderate." I don't think McCain was ever a moderate, but yeah, compared well, to them, yeah. Well, he was a radical, but also he would cross the line and vote with liberals right. on certain issues. 
But this time around, he he was threatening, and also Jan Brewer. I think uh, she. I don't know if she's still the governor now, but she was the governor at the time, and mm-hmm. she was she was the one bringing up. Oh my God, we got to stop these immigrants. We got to stop these immigrants from right. coming across. It's a it's a threat. It's a threat. Mm-hmm. But no one really cared because unless you lived in Arizona, you didn't know who Jan Brewer was. Mm-hmm. But then John McCain, because his seat was being threatened by another person. He starts bringing it up. He starts going by the way of the Tea Party mm-hmm, right. and bringing all of this stuff up. And then it became a national issue. And in my opinion, that it became a hot issue mm-hmm. where now it becomes a crisis. I mean, so my question to you, was, was it ever a crisis? It, it, no, this wasn't a crisis. Mm-hmm. This was him just being impatient. And I think also mm-hmm. low-hanging fruit, another yeah. phrase that I love. Yeah, yeah. I think he was trying to figure out where can he do something. And then to be cynical about it, mm-hmm. how can he militarize? Right. He wants that power. He wants that flexing of muscle at mm-hmm. the very least. If you don't want to call him a dictator, fine. Mm-hmm. But he definitely wanted to, the show of power. And where could he do it most mm-hmm. easily? Yeah. Wow. Ice. Ice is this easy thing. You can just pop it up and bam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, so, yeah. And yeah, I yeah, love yeah, that's, that's the right. other thing that's going on today. Yeah. There are a lot of signs that say abolish ice. And that one I'm 100% in agreement with. I'm like, yeah. this needs to be a little agency of mm-hmm. a small police force mm-hmm. for the enforcement of the border when the other systems mm-hmm. that should be in place yeah. are are failing or need that backup. That's mm-hmm. what it should be. They should not be the frontline troops. They should not be stormtroopers, and that's what they are right now. They're kicking indoors. Mm-hmm. They're lying to people. Yeah. They're showing up with this huge display of force mm-hmm. in our communities. Yeah. To do what? To grab, you know, some guy who's doing gardens around town? And it's ridiculous. It was not what they were designed to be. I remember watching one of my favorite ep- one of my favorite te- television shows when it was on was The Shield, mm-hmm. and The Shield came on uh, mm-hmm. right around the time that ICE was created, mm-hmm. and ICE was created to stop drug dealers, right? To stop drug dealers, especially mm-hmm. in California, to come right. in, and that's what they were designed to do. And now it's completely different. You have agents doing things that they were never, you know, when you right. when you sign up for, you know. Go through the academy and all that stuff. They, they, you know, they didn't sign up for all this. Well, they're quitting and they're transferring out. All yeah. the old school folks are just going. Not all, but a lot of old school ICE folk are going. You know what? I am a government official. I have a task. Mm-hmm. This was not. <laughs> this was not on on the docket, and now mm-hmm. it's gotten crazy. I need to, and people are jumping. Yeah. And then the crazies that they're bringing in, I love people say, these wannabe mall cops, these people who could not even qualify <laughs> to be mm, mall cops, yeah. can now sign up. And as long as they got a high school diploma <clears throat> and a relatively clear record, yeah. they can get in. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah, we've gotten – so they created a crisis. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it was ever a crisis. Yeah. I, you know, and, and this is what – this is once again the politics of fear. I mean, I don't want to get into a whole history lesson, but after World War II – the Republicans had a problem. They were like, wow, you know, the nation has elected FDR for 12 years, mm-hmm. and they've elected. We thought that we could win uh, uh, in 48 uh, to beat uh, Truman, but Truman, you know, Truman, uh, remember the sign, Dewey defeats Truman. Right. But it turns out Truman defeated Dewey. Right. And the Republicans like, damn, you know, how can, how can we win? And so they jumped on the politics of fear. Mm-hmm. And so in the 50s, it was communism. Mm-hmm. You know, st- let's right. stop the commies. Right. And in the 60s, it's these, these beatniks, these hippies. Stop them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they finally got blown when Kennedy got elected. Right. And then the late 60s, Nixon 
you know, created this, um, you know, the uh, the silent majority. Mm-hmm. Let's stop them who's stopping. You know, th- that's when you have this narrative of um, protecting family values, mm-hmm. which is code word for, you know, black people are, are going crazy. Yeah, anybody was, who's not us. Right, exactly. You know, is a but, danger, but, is a threat. But there's always been a them, mm-hmm. and this right. is the new them. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I love, you know. You always look for something positive. Mm-hmm. I love that there are people focusing in other directions. So the um, progressive in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that wonderful woman. Um, yeah. Yeah. And be- beat an incumbent that everybody assumed would get in. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody said something about luck or something. Mm-hmm. There was just a post the other day, um, a picture of her shoes. She said, these are the shoes I use to walk the precinct. And the mm-hmm. soles of those shoes are almost <laughs> shredded. And what was even cooler is somebody compared it to mm-hmm. a picture of Obama. When yeah. he was running, yeah, there's a picture of him with his feet up on a desk, and you see the soles where they're worn out. Right, right. And um, and the news person, the journalist <coughs> who you know who decided to focus mm-hmm. on this um, comparison, yeah, said that was when I decided I would vote for Obama mm-hmm. when I saw how hard he was working to get that yeah. job. And it's ironic because uh, in 1952, Dwight Eisenhower ran against uh, Adlai Stevenson, mm-hmm. who also used the same tactic. Basically, there was a picture of him with his uh, soul mm-hmm. uh, just basically worn out. But it's interesting, the, the public interpreted it, and the Eisenhower campaign translated it as something completely different. Oh, yeah. I.e., wow, look at this poor sap who's so poor and mm-hmm. so down on his luck that he can't even afford a good pair of shoes. Right. Don't be like him. Be like Ike. Mm-hmm. But, of course, the, the, the public, I was listening to um, the Nerdcast, Okay. Slate has a thing called the Nerdcast, and they talked about the election and how the incumbent was so confident, telling his backers, "Oh, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. We're going to win. We're going to win." And they didn't know; they didn't realize it until the very, very last second. Oops, I've lost. And what's interesting is this woman is 28 years old. I don't have any names. I didn't have. I had right. no idea that right. we were going to. But in any case, so the incumbent was a liberal white guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who had been in Congress for a long time, a member of the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. And I guess the question that I would ask you, I know we're getting into current, you know, talking about current we're events. We're kind of getting there, yeah. <laughs> but um, is it fair? I mean, uh, basically, this woman was elected. I mean, I th- she was a former, sh- I think she worked in a, um, I think she was a waitress. Uh, mm. She was just doing all sorts of, you know, like low-level jobs. Mm-hmm. Not to say that she's not qualified. I'm sure that she will do. Well, but that has come up. There's been a lot of question about whether or not she's qualified, and is that the way we want to go? And I'm like, you mean as a clo- as opposed to career politicians? Mm-hmm. I, I got no love of career politicians. Here. Yeah, but there is a war, I think, against the, um, I guess, the established politician. I'd always felt that. An established politician, well, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Ah, there we go. Twenty-eight. Fantastic. Yeah, twenty-eight years old. Can you believe that? It's time for the new generation. You were just talking about uh, voting for someone who was uh, younger mm-hmm. uh, than you. Obama. Remember Obama? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'll never forget. <laughs> but I'm sure someone will be like, "Well, hey, that's weaponizing race. Why should I be blamed if I'm white and I'm running against someone who's of color?" But I'm still qualified, but all of a sudden, you know. Well, that's what happened in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, well, Mark London Leno Breed. And, yeah. and London Breed. Yeah. Um, and Jane Kim. Jane Kim. W- and Jane Kim. Jane yeah. Kim was my number one. I would have loved that. Mm-hmm. 
we will see what London Breed does. So it's the same sort of argument, except she has been in the system for a little while now. Mm-hmm. But she worked her way up, honestly. Yeah. And that's exactly what I want. In the same way that Obama was a community organizer. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, you know, why not let those people have a shot at it? Yeah. As opposed to somebody who's just learned how to be a part of the machine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, t- I totally agree. And I think with Obama, you know, he wasn't just a community organizer, but he was a law professor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he handled things in, you know, right. in, in a um, dignified manner uh, as well, opposed to a multimillionaire who's never had to answer anyone in his life. Right. Yeah. Who's done all kinds of silliness. Yeah. So normally we do start with what's what's happened, what's new. Yeah. Summertime, yeah. summertime, summertime, summertime. <laughs> That's I'm right. I'm so happy. Yeah. And, um, well, and a little right. bewildered, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished my last job Sunday. Um, I was doing a summer intensive. I lead a summer intensive at the Eugene O'Neill Dow House. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I've the been barn. doing it for a couple of years now. I'm really happy to have the position. I feel like we do a good service for the kids and the community and the foundation, Eugene O'Neill national foundation um sponsors this and i feel like I, I feel like i'm doing everybody right when i get my check i feel good about it i feel good about the recipients of the service i mm-hmm. feel good about the folks that are paying for it the national park service seems to love us yeah because his house is now <coughs> part of that and i'm not a particularly religious person i would say i'm a spiritual person mm-hmm. but not a particularly religious person mm-hmm. but i've been saying a prayer for decades now because I grew up as a Southern California boy, mm-hmm. sunshine, triple-digit summers, yeah. that's what I knew. That's, you yeah. know, yeah. people say, oh, that sounds like a horror story. No, you, you get in the shade in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. you get something cool to drink, mm-hmm. you don't get crazy in the middle of the day, you do get up and appreciate that morning, because yeah. that's kind of gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then when things start to cool down in the evening, mm-hmm. you get that beautiful evening. So there's a way to deal with that kind of weather. That's non-existent here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. We almost never hit triple digits. We can't hit if we hit the 90s. Everybody's in a panic. Mm-hmm. And what we get <coughs> is that summer summer pattern. Mm-hmm. It gets a little bit warm, more than a little bit warm. It gets a little bit hot here. Yeah. And then that marine layer comes in, mm-hmm. socks us in by the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And in the morning, we got to wait for it to burn off. Sometimes it burns off in the morning. Sometimes mid morning. Sometimes mm-hmm. afternoon. Mm-hmm. And that has just depressed and killed me. You know, they talk oh, about yeah. uh, the winter, yeah. the, um, what is it, um, seasonal <coughs> affected, affective disorder, sad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that people get really depressed in the wintertime. Yeah. I'm, I'm a winter baby, or I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a late fall baby, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Winter works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what bothers me is if I can't get my son. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same way, and I was born in June, and mm-hmm. uh, I really need the, the hot, hot weather. I oh, mean, there's man. nothing like – like I was riding my bike, mm-hmm. um, so we were off um, – well, Wednesday, uh, we, right. I, w- I was off, and so we were hanging out. But I was also off Friday because uh, I had a um, – oh, i got to <laughs> tell you about this. Okay. Um, and, of course, we – we're black men in, in, mm-hmm. in middle, late middle age. I don't know. Right. Well, not late middle age, but yeah. basically I got, Shoot, a pack, <laughs> I got a package from Kaiser um, for a prostate check. Right. Have you ever had those? <clears throat> they didn't touch it. They just, but they, now what they do is you have to go get a, give them a stool sample. Right. Which is a whole <laughs> exercise in, okay, this is like a Rube Goldberg kind of thing. You got to <laughs> set this up and do that and have the stick ready and. Exactly. And don't get it wet. What do you mean, don't get it wet? How do you not get it wet? Come on, y'all. 
<laughs> exactly. So I, I had to go through that, and uh, I went into Kaiser to talk about my test results. Right. And basically, I'm okay, right? Which is good. I'm, I'm very happy. But I'm sure our my doctor our was almost apologetic when he did it. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, because he says do it, and yeah. he doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. He just has to read the results. So he's reading the results, and he kind of goes, "I can see by the expression on his face, and I hate that doctor. I wish this was a part of doctor training." <laughs> Don't let them go yeah. to this place because this is the stupid place. Yeah. They read it the way you might read, like, the nutrition label on sure, something. Sure, sure. go, okay, this is, oh, well, I was looking for sugar. It has zero sugar. Why am I looking for sugar on this? I should know better than to look mm-hmm. at this and see. Mm-hmm. You know, if I buy a box of crackers, yeah. there's lots of them that have sugar, but there's plenty. You don't have to put sugar in crackers. Lots of them don't have it. Right. So to look at it like, oh, well, why did they do that? I saw that expression go across his Uh-oh. face. And then he kind of. Almost apologetically says, well, for, for, for men of your age, we, we, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I wasn't complaining at all. You did it. I did it. I did my job. Y'all, te- y'all tested it. We're yeah. all good. Yeah. What you're really recognizing is mm-hmm. maybe if you actually examine me instead of just putting me into an age group and mm-hmm. ethnic category. Right. That you might have said, oh, maybe we don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it just to be safe. Mm -hmm. But he just did it automatically. Yeah. And he was fully expecting, well, I've got bad news for you. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, no, you ain't got no bad news for me. Right. Right, exactly. It sounds like he needed to look at that thing before you even came in the door Mm -hmm. to prepare himself to know what to tell you. Right. Um, But in any case, I, I, you know, everything was fine with me. And, uh, yeah, I think I don't know how my dad and granddad had to go through that stuff. I imagine, you know, like stuff up your finger. Yeah. 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 So in any case, after all that, I just took a leisurely ride with my e-bike through Mm -hmm. uh, through Oakland, just enjoying it, just having a breeze and, you know, Mm -hmm. the summer days. And it was just just fantastic. So this this is, you know, this is my season. We, we did that yesterday. We mm-hmm. rode out. Um, so normally we will go through Alameda, out mm-hmm. to Bay Farm, Circle Bay Farm, which is one of the more beautiful views of the bay. Mm-hmm. The, the view to San Francisco from there is incredible. Yeah. On the other hand, it is a little island mm-hmm. that when it's cold or any of that, it, mm-hmm. if there's a breeze anywhere in the Bay Area, it's it's there. But yesterday was perfect for it. And normally we go that route, and then mm-hmm. we circle back around to the Martin Luther King Regional Trail, mm-hmm. which is a gorgeous little estuary. Yeah. This time we decided to go backwards. Mm-hmm. And so we went around the other way. Gorgeous ride. Gorgeous mm-hmm. day. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I've been praying for years that if one thing, I never was sure if I was going to just stay in the Bay Area. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I was rooted. Yeah. I was comfortable, but I didn't feel rooted. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest issues for me is the summer thing. So for years, I would throw this prayer up, please, can I get a job? Like I have applied to Idaho Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I don't know or care anything about Idaho Shakespeare, but mm-hmm. I want that sitting in the sun, that oh, yeah. summertime, that's mm-hmm. what I want. So yeah. I've been begging like play praying Mm -hmm. for this job um so i get this job in danville Mm -hmm. and it's happened i it's a 10-day intensive i get up every morning i drive up the road Mm -hmm. sometimes the sun is shining sometimes (coughs) it's not i go through the tunnel Mm -hmm. and on those overcast days you go through the tunnel and suddenly you see the fog just dissipating Mm. and a couple miles down the road you are in full sunshine and by the time i get up on that hill in danville it's just a gorgeous summer day I've had that for two years now. I'm like, 
this is the job I prayed for. <laughs> right on. See, I, you know, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess it works. <laughs> Prayer works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, you know, you have to be careful of you know what what you pray for. But you know, if it's you know, uh, you, well, you've been around for a while, and so I think your name is has gotten around. So getting a job should be just like that. And we were going to talk about that. We were going to talk about you know how to look at the actor looking at themselves as a business. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good time for it. Yeah. Well, and almost so here's what happens. People generally get out of high school, maybe Mm -hmm. get out of college, and the bug hits them. Yep. Maybe they did a little bit in high school. Maybe they learned (coughs) it in college Mm -hmm. or got introduced into it in college. Mm -hmm. The bug has hit them. Now they're out and ready to have a life. Mm -hmm. And they've got maybe some little nine-to-five job, but they've got all this energy and all this interest and they start putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting a name. I know for me, it wasn't until I went to a buddy's party, I never called myself an actor. I was acting pretty much nonstop at that point. Mm-hmm. But I didn't call myself an actor. Right. And I went to a buddy's party, non-theater guy. Mm-hmm. And he was introducing me around, trying to say who I was. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, Norman's an actor. And he kept saying that. And every time, it just sort of grated <laughs> on me a little bit. Yeah. I was like, because I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. As I was walking home, I realized... Why don't I do that? <clears throat> Why right. am I not willing to own that? And mm-hmm. I guess I was waiting for somebody official to sort of label me actor. Yeah. So you get to that point where you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, and we were talking about it on, on the way up, from, you know, on the way here today. Um, mm-hmm. It used to be that like a lot of people at the end of a program, at an end of a project, at mm-hmm. the end of a play, at the mm-hmm. run of a production, mm-hmm. you get sad. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working hard with these people. We've made all these connections. You have these beautiful moments on stage. You mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. beautiful moments when you're off stage. You may see the other actors doing these beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. The directors, the designers, everybody has created this incredible world. Mm-hmm. And now that world is history. Now that world is like a snowflake. And it was unique and beautiful, and it's about to go away. Yep. And that used to be sad. I mean, a number of times I remember – I guess at this point it would be like mid-career for me mm-hmm. where I started tracking this is going to happen. Like this is closing weekend. Mm-hmm. This is the last performance. And I even got in the mm-hmm. habit of every line, every beat, mm-hmm. I would be like, and that's the last time we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna do that. I, I've often felt that way as well. And a lot th- there are some companies that sort of um, because they're so focused on – they're so focused on uh, the performance or the show, and they concentrate, like, I'm sure the very first ever rehearsal, if you're an actor, the director and the producer come together and say, okay, this is more than just a show. This is a community thing, and right. we want to bond together. And you and, need to. And the, work to be, I mean, and the work to be done, I mean, the reason for all of that is to have... So you don't have a bunch of actors saying, well, you guys are just hired guns and just focus right. on your lines or whatever. Right. You really want to have a cohesive thing that can be felt on well, stage. You need to create a world. Right. And and that vision of that world, and, and I love the idea of a proscenium is a frame. Mm-hmm. That's what the proscenium arch is. It yeah. is a frame. Mm-hmm. And it's like framing a picture. And mm-hmm. a good picture, you can see the world mm-hmm. beyond the edges of the frame. Mm-hmm. Because if a good picture really does its job, it gives you that sense of where this moment that we're seeing mm-hmm. fits into a larger context. Right. Right. Exactly. But I think there are some companies or whatever that that can go so overboard by it that it almost becomes a I don't even want to call it a hive mentality or a um, almost a 
it almost feels cult like mm-hmm. where and 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 what I what I've noticed it mm-hmm. um, not necessarily with companies that I've been but more so with um, with organizations that like a lot of young organizations mm-hmm. right. they're they're focused on this bonding thing where it almost becomes hey you have to be loyal and you know mm-hmm. we need someone to paint the set and we need someone to hang right. the lights and we need someone right. to do this and do that and don't focus on anything else and God forbid don't tell me that hey I've got another job that mm-hmm. I've got to do right. So I may have to, you know, not show up for a rehearsal for here or there. Right. Everything has to be about us, 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 us. That that actor who maybe is doing a little bit of commercial work. Yeah. And so they get the phone call today, mm-hmm. and maybe they manage to go to the audition or the look-see. Because the first thing that happens in that is they mm-hmm. sometimes you walk in and they just kind of go, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you, not you, not you, not you. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the first list, then yeah. they have you come back in, and then mm-hmm. they actually spend some time with you. Mm-hmm. That date may be two days from the first audition. Yeah. That date may be at an inconvenient time mm-hmm. for your process. Well, as a union actor, mm-hmm. that's in your contract. It says, if I got to go do that, I got to go do that. Right. And you, the producer, just mm-hmm. need to suck it up. Yeah. I'm going to go and mm-hmm. get it done as quick as I can, and mm-hmm. I'm going to get back here. So yeah. maybe you'll even get me for rehearsal, but I might be an hour yeah. late. So the point is, you should be loyal to yourself. Yeah. Um. Of course, you want to, you know, you signed up to be a part of this company and you want to do this show, regardless of whether they're paying you a lot of money or not. But you got to focus on you. You're not You've just. you got to find that balance. Right. And to me, I think it's very much, particularly now, the mm-hmm. American identity is that individualism, yeah. the rugged individualism. Sure. And I think it misses the notion of community. Mm hmm. And you can, and even like you talk to a libertarian, and and they want to say, well, we don't want to pay for this, and we don't want to pay for that. Mm-hmm. But it always comes down to the same argument. What about roads? Do you like roads? Yeah, I, I like roads. Yep, and I like sidewalks too. Yeah, that's a lot more money. Yeah, somebody's got to build them. Somebody's got to maintain them. Mm-hmm. We have to have rules yep. about how they are used. Yeah, there's there's always a tug of war about individuality versus loyalty and unity. Yeah. Like I, I hear some libertarians talk about um, taxes. Oh, my right. God, I'm paying too many taxes right. or whatever. I've never had a problem. And being a Christian, I regard taxes as sort of a uh, uh, version tithing. of tithing. Right. And if a church doesn't get tithing, the, church, the bills don't get paid well, for the church. And that's, that's where a community works better. If you mm-hmm. have to go around individually for every little thing and knock on doors and say, hey, Rich, can you, can you give a little money for this? Can you give a little money for that? Right. If you just give a percentage <clears> – <throat> And then you have some responsible managers. Yeah. So to, to continue the analogy, mm-hmm. I I don't think that the sense of community or this or even cult, mm-hmm. I don't think those things. I think that's it's a natural impulse in the social animal. Sure. To be in that, the problem is that some people abuse it. Yeah. And you have to recognize that you can't like. Was it you saying it? Um, yeah, we were talking about a friend, mm-hmm. and she went to the TBA Generals. Yeah. And so now she's waiting. Well, the TBA Generals in, like, January or February. Right. If the phone calls didn't happen within a couple of weeks, a month or two at the most, yeah, you shouldn't be waiting on those phone calls. You, The phone's going to get dusty. Yeah. Because, yes, there may be some people who saw your stuff, loved your stuff, and mm-hmm. think, wow. And they might be thinking, wow, we're talking about that one show next season. Mm-hmm. So we're not even going to be looking at auditions <clears throat> for this for six months out, eight months out, whatever. Right. 
they're not going to sit down and go, oh, we should get – They, you know, there are very few organizations where they will go back through that list and go, mm-hmm. all of my A people, if I'm grading it like school, mm-hmm. all of my A people and my B people, mm-hmm. I should contact immediately. Yeah. They don't do that. Yeah. What they do is they go, wow, the A people, we're going to put them in a special file mm-hmm. so that when we get around to doing that show that that person would be perfect for, we'll get in touch with them. Yeah. And then here's the more twisted thing. At least oh – no, at most, every two years mm-hmm. – um, the uh, organizations that actually have enough structure where they are trying to keep file systems and keep track of this, mm-hmm. at most, mm-hmm. every two years, they know mm-hmm. that your headshot and resume may be no longer valid information. Mm-hmm. And they don't – they know it so much that they don't even waste their time yeah. getting in touch with you. Yeah. So Reg came and did a fantastic job, and we didn't have any roles for middle-aged black guy. Right. So, right. So we didn't call Reg in. But next season – We've got this commitment to doing this show. We're going to love having a middle-aged black guy. So when I see Reg's stuff, and I know this in my head, mm-hmm. I put it in that file. Yeah. But it, when that file gets to that two-year mark or whatever mm-hmm. it is, each organization sets their own thing. Right. They pull it up and go, ooh, if they even bother to go look at it. Mm-hmm. They pull it up and they go, well, you know, we actually backed that show up another season. So now it's three years. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we can get in touch with him. I know as somebody who sat in the same place for nearly 19 years, mm. same email, same phone number, mm-hmm. I don't know how many casting directors I've seen. It, it was better for me to go to somebody's premiere, mm-hmm. bump into a casting director there and have them go, oh, my gosh, Norman G., where have you been? I haven't seen you in years. Yeah. Like, uh, live in the same place, got the same phone number, same email. Right. You yeah, haven't you, seen yeah, me? Yeah, you got to put yourself out of there. Right, so you have to get out mm-hmm. there and do that. But I was yeah. saying, so career-wise, I got to that middle point where, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, I was sort of sad yeah. at the end of a show. And one of the shows that broke me of it was a show that ended up coming back like literally three or four times. And I'm not clear about that only because how do you count? Mm-hmm. We did a season of a school tour, school and library tour for Word for Word. Mm-hmm. We had a great time. They brought us back the next summer because they were doing a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And the way they would do it is they would high, they would spotlight the art, the writer, the author, because mm-hmm. they only do literature. Mm-hmm. They got Sandra Cisneros to come out for their fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And they had her read some from her new work, but that was towards the end of the evening. Mm-hmm. For the heart of the event, mm-hmm. they had us do our piece, or at mm-hmm. least some of our piece, so they could see what that was like. Mm-hmm. And then they had an interview with her on stage, and then she read from her work. It was an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they brought us back for that, and they actually paid us for like a week or so of rehearsal to, mm-hmm. to kind of pull it back together. A year later, we hear that Shotgun Players mm-hmm. uh, has connected to this summer program that was out of the Kennedy Center. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a beautiful program where the Kennedy Center helps fund um, a school outreach program mm-hmm. with a piece of art or an artist that is highlighted, that mm-hmm. is represented. Mm-hmm. Um, and that piece of work becomes the sort of focus mm-hmm. of a whole bunch of work about, like if it were a painting, mm-hmm. about that style of painting, about mm-hmm. the history of painting, about where this person came from, about whatever is relevant mm-hmm. specifically to the painting, but in a larger sense, giving it a global sort of view. Yeah. So Sandra Cisneros, they said they wanted. And so they signed us up for it. Well, that signed us up for a bit of a workshop in the summer mm-hmm. and then a bunch of shows throughout the year because it was also a way 
for them to sort of advertise, we will bring this work to you and your school. Mm -hmm. And so they signed us up. Well, when we signed up for it, we thought they said it was going to be like, I forget, like maybe 20, mm -hmm. 20 gig, 20 dates. Yeah. So 20 dates, a school tour is typically dozens mm -hmm. of dates mm -hmm. within a, let's say, two month period. That's, mm -hmm. that's a typical school tour, about two, three months. Mm -hmm. um, and you come in, you rehearse it, and then you take the show on the road, and you work almost every day. You probably average four days a week mm -hmm. where you take that show out and around. And there you have two and three show days where you go to point A and then point B and then point C, and then you go home. So you're there when the sun comes up, mm -hmm. and you're home, you're getting off the van, and it's dark, mm, and yeah. you're heading home. You know, that's a busy day, but, you know, it all averages out. Yeah. 20 shows is not even that much. But we thought, well, for the fall, that sounds okay. Mm -hmm. We're willing to make that commitment, and we can work around it. If you give us the dates mm -hmm. early enough, mm -hmm. we can work around all the other jobs, you know, that any theater artist has to have. Mm -hmm. We can do this. No problem. Well, it turns out they were talking about the whole school year. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't 20 dates in the fall. It was 20 dates in the fall and spring. Oh, they spread it out. Spread out, yeah. which means we couldn't get in another show, which means, you know, we were just jammed up and word for word mm -hmm. took pity on us mm -hmm. and said, well, you know, we keep hearing about your show, which at that point is like over two years earlier that mm -hmm. we had done it. Mm -hmm. um, we keep hearing about your show. Everybody wants your show back. So we're going to go ahead and book it. Mm -hmm. around that schedule for the spring, mm -hmm. whatever dates are left to make that commitment, we're mm -hmm. going to honor those dates mm -hmm. and we're going to, and they booked us like crazy. And we ended up doing something like 80, maybe 80, more wow. than 80 shows wow. um, in the spring. Mm -hmm. So that was a wonderful experience. And it kind of killed that notion of this is the last show. This is the last time we do this. Yeah. Because if you're a lucky actor, you'll end up in maybe the same play that you just did with another actor down sure. the road. Sure. Who you did it with. Yeah. And you're like, maybe you have different roles, but maybe you have exactly the same roles. Mm -hmm. There's some people who get to do that. Mm -hmm. It was an exciting thing, and it made me start to think differently about how I felt about shows. So now I feel it's more the beginning of the show that makes me have that sad feeling of, oh, this is the beginning of the end. We're now going to do our thing, mm -hmm. and then it's going to be over, and we're all going to go our ways. Yeah. And I think with that as a context, you have to think about how that fits into your life mm -hmm. and into your career. Yeah, and you have to think about who you are as an actor. I mean, I think there – I was just thinking about this. I think, I think there are three tiers of the local actor. There's um, – <clears throat> and you can sort of verify that. Um, you have the young actor who's just coming out of school. Um, they're full of life, and they just want to get busy, and they have a blank resume, and they just want to fill it up with stuff. Mm -hmm. And just coming out of school. Mm -hmm. Then I think you have, uh, let's say, a sort of veteran actor who, let's say, is equity, mm -hmm. and they've, they're known throughout the region. Uh, maybe they're comfortable with you know being in the region. They've they, they've reached a point where they don't even have to audition anymore because their name is out there. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're trying to get to L.A. or New York or what have you. Uh -huh. uh, maybe they're equity and maybe they're getting enough money. Um, and <coughs> and then I think you have folks, let's say like me, who um, they, you have a job, you're doing it 
Let's say you're, it's not necessarily a career. You're sort of just doing it. Or let's say someone who was a career actor and now they're sort of retired or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they won't even audition or whatever. They'll just wait for a phone call. But mm-hmm. it's more become a bit of a pastime. It's just um, a, a, a thing. Maybe I, I don't want to call it a hobby, but mm-hmm. it's more of like a side thing. Mm-hmm. I think those are the three tiers. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, avocation. Um, I can see that, but that's sort of, it's funny, I'm looking at your um, your con- monitor screen here, mm-hmm. and the background of it is, what, black, white, and gray. Yeah. And I feel like that's sort of what you just identified, mm-hmm. but of course, then all the icons and stuff, there's all kinds of color that's all exactly over the place. That's exactly right, yeah. And I think it works that way as well. Mm-hmm. You refer to um, the actor, our, our Sartre. Um, Sartre? Yeah, who? That oh, actor. Jay? Jay. You know, you referred to him. We had an, we had a reading of four men, so mm-hmm. that's the other thing we want to talk about today sure. is how that's going. Mm-hmm. But um, you had referred to him at one point after the reading mm-hmm. as um, a young actor. Oh, I did. Jay <laughs> Krongold, and I, I think it was him. I'm talking about somebody who didn't have much experience, uh-huh. but at that age had started acting. No, I think it was someone. It may have been someone else. else. Yeah. Okay, but still. So when you talk about that young actor, like maybe coming out of school, kind of actor, you got to put those people. Oh, who? Can we say it? (laughs) Well, we can. We can. Well, there's a guy named Jesse Moore who is. Oh, uh, Jesse. Okay. Yeah. And who played uh, Chester, and he's auditioning for Chester. Yeah. And he is a yeah. That's right. He's an individual. He did not go to school, uh, in, at least when he was young, for right. acting. He had another vocation. Right. And then later in his life, I think he's probably in his 40s or mid-40s, mm-hmm. and now he's getting into acting. So I think it's valid yeah. to put him in that same category. Yeah. Because in terms of experience, mm-hmm. he is that person. On the other hand, excuse me, he's going to get considered for roles just mm-hmm. because of his age. Yeah. That that young person could never be considered for. Mm-hmm. And those roles... It's funny because a lot of stories we focus a lot on stories about young people. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the nature of the of the culture, right? Right. Um, so he's going to end up in some roles where he's playing dads and mm-hmm. bosses and whatever. Sure. But at some point, he's going to get into some of those meaty roles mm-hmm. that are the mature man roles mm-hmm. that the young guy again doesn't qualify for, but that needs a serious acting muscle. And he, just like the young man who gets more opportunities for mm-hmm. those big roles as, yeah. as a young man in mm-hmm. young man stories, he's going to get some opportunities where he's a little in over his head. Mm-hmm. He's going to learn. Yeah. That's what happens with all of them. So mm-hmm. I think in that <coughs> sense, there's that. And the other big difference between those two, even though they're mm-hmm. in terms of their career in a similar place, yeah. the other big difference between them is that young man, if we take 100 young men mm-hmm. – and we look at them five, let's say ten years mm-hmm. down the road. Yeah, the majority of them are not going to be doing it anymore. The majority of them, you mm-hmm. know, at least fifty something percent are not going to be doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. At least, um, and definitely by fifteen, ten years. Actually, I'm realizing no, there's some folks that hang in there for ten years, but fifteen years. I went to a birthday party last year, mm-hmm. and I saw an actor I hadn't seen in maybe twenty years, mm-hmm. and he was incredible and. He was so incredible that anytime he was in a show, mm-hmm. if it got reviewed, mm-hmm. he got mentioned. Mm. He was incredible. Wow. And I said, so what are you doing? He's like, actually, I just sort of got out of it. And I was like, whoa. So there's a whole – it doesn't matter about talent or any of that. There's just a numbers right. part of this that yeah. those people go away. Now, our old man who's mm-hmm. just new to acting mm-hmm. will do it as long as he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. 
And, yeah, he has to look for opportunities. And at a certain point, he may find that he has to go farther afield mm -hmm. to find those opportunities than he's comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Once he gets past a certain point, the community theater mm -hmm. that is real, just sort of not taking care of the actors, they're all about getting the show up. Sure. He may get tired of that mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got to go 40 miles. And you might do 40-mile commute for that show you really want to do mm -hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. But if it's not paying that well and it's not getting that much attention mm -hmm. and maybe the role isn't as exciting as that other – that first time you did it, you start going, well, maybe I'm not doing that. And so there's sort of a um, – mm -hmm. you know, at, as time goes on, more and yeah. more people fall off. But I think in that young man, we said 100. Mm -hmm. Let's say there's 100 middle-aged guys who start doing it. Mm -hmm. I think the fall off isn't as severe. Right? Sure. But I also think it depends on what you want. What are your expectations as an actor? What do you right. want to do? Well, I think mm -hmm. partly those expectations come from what you've been told. Mm -hmm. There are people, and again, right. the middle-aged guy is more likely to have a sense of, well, what I really want to do is get in film, or what I really want to do is this, or mm -hmm. you know, I'm just enjoying it. I know a doctor in the South Bay, and mm -hmm. he, I think he still works quite a bit, mm -hmm. um, but he's an emergency room doctor, mm -hmm. so his availability is limited, mm -hmm. and you know he can't pull the "I'm um, take some time off." I can't, you know, he can't do that more than maybe once a year. Sure. So that limits his availability, but it also keeps him hungry mm -hmm. to keep into it. Yeah. So people have to deal with all that. Yeah. You know, it's so. I think the categories that you set up. There's a truth in it, but there's also the variability. Oh, sure. There are all, there are all these variables. I mean, there are all these subcategories that right. shoot out. Well, and the middle tier that you put mm -hmm. out, the veteran. Yeah. Um, who is known, who is a known quantity in mm -hmm. in their market. Yeah. Um, I am shocked to say I'm surprised at how many of them mm -hmm. still have the hustle. Yeah. And like so I think of Cecilia Maurice and um, Michael Agrelli. Yeah. Who is in a show right now. Um Universal Robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I knew I knew somebody else in that. Okay, yeah, cool. Along with Luell. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Luell. Um, so that person who's still got the hustle, well, yeah. what I, by hustle what I mean is they're paying attention to the audition notices. They're driving out to Sacramento. Mm -hmm. They're driving to the South Bay. They're going to these little auditions and these little places. Because what's the other theater we talked about that's out towards, um, not Danville, but yeah, it is Danville, World Players. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, where uh, Kari, uh, Kari Moy was in uh, there, August Wilson, uh, last year, and I think has already signed up to do some show with them next year. Okay. Uh, I, have to, I have to look uh, on, the, on the thing. Not, not, you're not talking about California African-American Shakespeare Company, right? No, 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 no. Uh, African-American Shakespeare Company is in San Francisco. No, I'm okay. talking somebody way out. <laughs> okay. I haven't, I haven't figured it out. I, I have to look at it. I think it's role players. Okay, yeah. But in any case, uh, my point is that – those people working in those places, mm -hmm. at a certain point, you decide the the cost benefit mm -hmm. ratio yeah. of this and decide whether or not it's worth you to keep doing. Mm -hmm. Those veteran actors are also making that same equation, but they're also doing the no. I'm not running down to. I'm not doing the commute to San Jose mm -hmm. for some little role unless you're paying me top dollar, and then I'm doing it, not really much caring mm -hmm. about it, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that passion isn't necessarily there. Right. And you're, you're a seasoned actor, so it's not like you still may be the best thing in the show, mm -hmm. but your sense of it isn't that starry-eyed, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I'm in a show, it's great. Right. You're more like, you know, I'm getting the bills paid, and it's a decent role for me, or I like this director, or I'm going to get this opportunity. Yeah. And you'll do it for as long as you can in the particular region until... 
either the money runs out or there are other opportunities that put you further and further away. Well, and so in between those two categories Mm -hmm. are, and I've seen this way too much, the young person Mm -hmm. who starts to get some attention, (coughs) starts to become a name in the area, Mm -hmm. and decides it's time to go to New York or it's time to go to L.A. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It's just that the majority of them are not going to hit in L.A. and are not going to hit in New York. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of them will come back, and that's why we know that. Anybody who's been here and Mm -hmm. keeps connected to people, we see it all the time. At first, it was like, yeah, yeah, you know, you come back with your tail between your legs. Mm -hmm. No, you didn't. We have an incredible market. Mm -hmm. Our talent pool is amazing. Yep. And so when you get to L.A., it's not that you aren't as good as L.A. Maybe you don't know anything about film, Mm -hmm. so you need to learn how the mechanics of how that works. But you also need to learn how that market works, which is way different than what happens here. Yeah. Maybe you gain those skills. Maybe you don't. I know actors who've been down there. Mm -hmm. They're not named actors. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know. Only if you know Hollywood or know mm-hmm. that part of the business yeah. might you even know their names. Mm-hmm. But they've been making a living down there. Yeah. But also there's another, like I have a couple of friends who started out in San Francisco, and they've branched out to form other theater companies in right. other places. Right. Like a good friend of mine, Travis Bedard, and his wife, Megan, uh, who they met in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to Texas, Austin, Texas, and created their own theater company. But they got their skills. I, there's a birthday this week coming mm-hmm. up for somebody exactly that, Texas, yeah. and doing theater. And, and married I, and family and happy. <laughs> and also, I'm looking at a poster of Bat Boy, mm-hmm. uh, Eli Newsom and Christy Newsom, mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Um, they, as a matter of fact, they became a couple during that production. Yeah. Uh, got married. Mm-hmm. They did Debbie Does Dallas. You'll see Christy oh, right uh-huh. there. And now they're in Connecticut, and they have their own theater company. Right. And once again, they got their skills, and they hooked up with a theater company, Ray of Light Theater. Right. Where uh, a lot of folks, as a matter of fact, James Eichelhardt, he used yeah. Ray of Light Theater to sort of perfect what he wanted to f- perfect in the yeah. theater, and then propelled himself to to, uh, Broadway. to Broadway. Yeah, and beyond. <laughs> and beyond. So yeah, so there, so there are those people. It mm-hmm. is possible. One of the things I want people to know is that career director to trajectory. trajectory. If you want that, if you're looking at that, you can, but it is much more about what we're talking about, that you've got to have an internal belief, Mm -hmm. and you've got to have a work ethic that helps get you there. And there are still plenty of people who have those things and get in the – the people I'm talking about in in L.A., Mm -hmm. like I said, nobody knows them Mm -hmm. on a national scene. They are not names, but they work steady. Mm -hmm. They like the work they get to do, and Mm -hmm. every now and then somebody goes, wow. I actually have a really good part for you. It's a small production. It's a film that's just going to go around the, you know, the the art film circuit. But you know, it'll be a great part for you. I know you'll be great for it. Mm-hmm. And we know those actors. We hear about them all the time. They call them character actors. They call them all kinds of sure. things. Sure, they are talented, solid. And we see actors. their faces all the time, although we don't know their right, names. Right. So those things are possible for mm-hmm. anybody at any age. There was a banker here, mm-hmm. and she left, and she's in L.A. and she's making it in L.A. because her look. Mm-hmm. was a very specific look that just wasn't around. Mm-hmm. So, again, middle-aged black. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got, and I hope she's having like a little Betty White thing, you know, <laughs> on a lower level, but I hope she's having yeah. a little Betty White thing where is she, she spend she's 40 that years. Age? Yeah. Well, I was a kid seeing Betty White on the Mary Tyler Moore show, yeah. and I thought she was an old woman. Uh-huh. And then the Golden Girls came, and then whatever. Mm-hmm. And I realized at a certain point, wait a minute. Betty White's been old, like, most of my life. Betty sure. White's been old. So Betty White wasn't old. 
like Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, who, uh, yeah. you know, we've known, I've, I remember Christopher back Lloyd. Back to the future, yeah. Well, back to the future, but he was a taxi yeah. when he was Jim Gutowski, and he yeah. looked old then, and then he was old. Right. I read that article that he was like 45 or 44 when he did Back to the Future. Right. Looking 60. Yeah. So, you know, you've got that look. If you've got that look, you got it. And, and mm-hmm. I told my kids this in the intensive. I said, the other side of the equation is the Matthew Broderick. So don't get pissed that somebody sure. just wanted to cast you in the young roles. Because mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to do that for more than just a few years, if yeah. you get past 25 and you're still playing kids and, and young adults, <laughs> yeah, you are lucky. Yeah. Because a lot of men at that point are starting to lose their hair. Mm-hmm. Um, the gray for a lot of people is starting to come in. Mm-hmm. The wrinkles are starting to come in. If you're not one of those and you get to be Matthew Broderick where you get to play kids for like two decades. Sure. Or Tom Cruise. That's a career. Yeah. Or Tom Cruise. Yeah. So recognizing where you fit on that spectrum mm-hmm. is important. But also recognizing that it's not a failure mm-hmm. if you didn't get the lead role. Sure. You know, it, there are ways to work. So we have a lot of veteran actors who – drop off of mm-hmm. the radar mm-hmm. because they get tired of hustle. Yeah. They get tired of going out to here and there. I've been to Santa Rosa. I would love to work in Santa Rosa again. I mm-hmm. love the theater. It's mm-hmm. now 6th Street Playhouse. Mm-hmm. I got in just as they were coming into their new facility. They'd mm-hmm. only had it for a season or two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they are like the one of the powerhouses up there. Incredible space. Mm-hmm. I love the work, the, the level, the quality of work and all that. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. That commute was horrible. At that <laughs> yeah. point, there were four places where mm-hmm. you could hit traffic on the way there. So on a bad day, mm-hmm. you would add another 40 minutes or more to your commute. Mm. On a good day, you get up there and go, wow, we got time to park. I can stretch my legs. I can actually go get a meal, mm-hmm. come back and get ready for rehearsal. Yeah. You know, that's a weird variable. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, in the Bay Area right now, that's true of everywhere. You, If you have to go across a bridge, you better have that 40-minute cushion. Because mm-hmm. you might be stuck in traffic or you might get there more than half yeah. an hour early. And one of the things that we've talked about you know, are not only thinking about your career as an actor, but also using that acting talent to do other things. Mm-hmm. Like we're sort of doing it now here with the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily a career choice. I mean, if we get enough viewers and we can get ad dollars and all that sort of stuff, that's fine. But people are using YouTube and Vimeo and, um, you know, um, other other things using other avenues using that acting talent to you can to do, do other that career wise but I think then becomes to me the larger picture mm-hmm. who are you as a person and how does this fit into your life yes so theater mm-hmm. acting whatever whatever your identity is mm-hmm. as that theater artist or any kind of artist how does that fit into your larger life now as a young man I put everything else on hold everything else took a back burner to mm-hmm. me and my next show. Mm-hmm. As long as I was getting the rent paid, my job could compete mm-hmm. with my other show. But if I needed to take time off from the other job, I did. And mm-hmm. if, the jo- if the theater job was paying enough, I could. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where that was happening enough where I went, okay, let's go. Let mm-hmm. go of the other job. But all of that needs to fit into the, uh, that larger life context. Who are you and what is that about? Which mm-hmm. brings us back to this notion of community. Yep. When you get into that community theater show, whatever that means, that show where they're saying we're bonding and we're all coming together and we're building a community. Mm-hmm. We're building a community for two months, y'all. Let's be realistic yeah, about exactly. this. Exactly. That's exactly uh, right. You know, we're um, – uh, what's the summer thing? Uh, Black Rock uh, – Black, yeah, is it Black Rock? Um, the, uh, every summer they go – all the crazies go out to the desert 
Oh, I know Burning Man. About. Burning Man, yeah, 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 yeah. And they yeah, build yeah. a community. They build a city. <laughs> yes. And then at the end, they tear it all down, yeah. and they leave no sign sure. of it, supposedly. Sure. And they take all their trash out, and they yeah. do all this stuff. Okay, fine, whatever. That is what a theater project is. Sure. And that's all fine. And to get swept up in that world can be wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've, I've had relationships on stage that have been beautiful and as meaningful as anything in my life, and it's a fiction. And me and that other actor, two months from now, are not going to have exchanged any communication whatsoever. And we may not for years. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, in this bubble, yeah, we get to build that beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. it's if you know that's what it is, it's great. You have to realize that that bubble at some point is going to pop. That's exactly right. And if you just enjoy and appreciate the moment of the bubble and mm-hmm. let it pop, because yeah. that's a part of the experience, mm-hmm. what do you have left? If you are in that moment of, Ah, and you own that because yeah. that is yours, and that's mm-hmm. yours for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Then that bubble moment is special. But if you let that bubble moment take over your consciousness, yes, <laughs> you're and you you hit the nail right on the head. I appreciate a company that can be honest enough to say, "Listen, this thing is finite. This thing has a shelf life mm-hmm. just right here. But as a company, I'm going to uplift you as an actor. I'm going to give you a role." That will showcase you and your talents so mm-hmm. that you can go on to bigger and better things because someone saw you in the audience and said, hey, that's Reg Clay. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I, that can propel me. And at the same time, I can propel this theater company to be better you know, than what it is. Yeah. That's honest. And you know, there's some companies who are very honest. And they're like, listen, we can't pay you that much, but here's what we can do. Right. And then, but you also have these other companies that you know they, you're absolutely right. They try to make that bubble bigger or something more than what it really, right. really is, just for the sake of getting people to comply right. with what they want to do. Well, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Artists do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I get fixated on my art. Yep. And everything else takes that back seat. Everything else is on a back burner. Mm-hmm. And I don't care about what's going to happen on the other side mm-hmm. of that. I just want to make sure it's the perfect sure. bubble. And, you know, there are – like I think about the darkroom theater. Mm-hmm. I think about uh, other theater companies where they're not just creating a show. Mm-hmm. They really are creating a community. They really want to have individuals who will come back in and help out and, and what have you. Right. And, uh, like, I remember Dave, we had David Stein. Actually, yeah. I'm going to a birthday party for David Stein tomorrow. Oh, right. Uh, I don't know if you're going, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm supposed yeah. to go. Actually, I'm supposed to look at headshots. Yeah. Ah, there you go. So, so in any case, um, yeah, David Stein talked about the community feeling that he felt that felt at the dark room. Mm-hmm. So, an actor may come in. I mean, if I'm if I'm if I'm coming in just as a hired gun, I right. want to do the role. I want to get paid. I want to do as best as I can for this thing, but I realize, hey, this bubble's going to pop, right. and i got to move on. Right. There are folks who, let's say they come out of school or whatever, or let's say they come out from whatever the situation, mm-hmm. and they want a community. Right. Like, you know, I, there's a, a friend of mine, I'm not going to mention uh, her name, mm-hmm. transgendered woman, um, who found a theater company that really, it, it just spoke to her. Right. And... It wasn't, you know, it was about, you know, okay, we're going to do this show. Now we're going to do this show. Now we're going to do this show. Mm-hmm. And that was a part of her community, and she was bonded by mm-hmm. it. So I understand that. And, you know, if that's where you're at, then you're going to uh, – you're, you're involved in theater for something bigger than a career. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your – what do you call it? Your community. Right. Well, and that's, that's, that's the point I'm trying to get to is you can have all that. Mm-hmm. But 
It needs to fit in your world. Exactly. And rather than you putting your world on hold to figure that out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we hit those two first points of the career, mm -hmm. you know, dichot dichotomy. You can't say dichotomy. Mm -hmm. you, you pointed to three points, three yeah. branches of how this can work. Yeah. The third one was the one you identified yourself in, that veteran who is not doing the hustle. Mm -hmm. That veteran who, when the phone rings, says, oh, wait, okay, this can fit in my world, mm -hmm. but also does other things, like sure. writes a play. Yeah, like Pete Fitzsimmons. Or like who, podcasts. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Pete Fitzsimmons, who mm -hmm. I believe we're, will play Ollie mm -hmm. in our thing, he's an art collector. He's right. doing other things. Right. If he doesn't get a, another role, he's like, okay, well. Right. Maybe that happened. So I want to encourage those people. I mean, it actually bums me out as somebody who's been in this market for three decades. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, almost, almost. No, actually, at this point, I think it is over three decades. Wow, um, there you go. But um, it really saddens me, some people, the ones who just drop off of it and let it go, and mm -hmm. you feel like there's a part of them that wishes that mm -hmm. they were still doing it. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and they haven't made their peace. It's fine to have that. You know, I... A good experience, a good memory, mm -hmm. well, can, all, can often have a tinge of sadness in it because it happened and it's over. But when that sense of sadness, when mm -hmm. that pain is bigger than that, then mm -hmm. they should have exercised that yeah. muscle. They should have done something else because yeah. they're not happy. Like we had John Hutchinson. Um, right. You weren't here, but uh, Hutchinson, he's 82 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hutch, you know, you're such a fantastic presence on stage. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of roles for you. And he's the right. old sage. Right. Um, he could do King Lear. Right. But he says, you know what, I don't have the – he was very honest. He was like, I don't have the capacity anymore. I can't right. remember things right. like I used to. Right. And I'm tapped out, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. And he's found his peace. The, so there are those people, but I think there's also a vibrant class of people. And mm -hmm. there are the ones outside of theater. There are the ones that are still connected to theater. So outside of theater, for example, is Ron um, – oh, jeez. Why can't I come up with his last name? Uh, he's in uh, the South Bay mm -hmm. in San Jose. Mm -hmm. He's on the Art Commission. Mm. He is very much – he's an art consultant. Mm -hmm. He very much deals with all that. He comes up and his, he has fond memories of when I was a young actor and he was a young actor. Mm -hmm. And we were involved in the scene and the scene was gorgeous. He's Filipino – but he's got – so he's got a Spanish surname, mm -hmm. um, very much connected to the Latinos, mm -hmm. the African-American theater, oh, all these on. little theater groups yeah. that were all swirling together mm -hmm. with the larger companies that were reaching out. Like um, ACT kind of sponsored a bunch of groups, mm -hmm. like the Lorraine Hansberry, I believe, spun off of mm -hmm. that, um, that energy of them supporting but not really fully mm -hmm. owning these yeah. groups and all this energy came out of that. We were lucky to come into the tail end of that energy, and so to this day, mm -hmm. he identifies in that way and it inspires him. But I don't think he's got time to actually wow. do a theater piece. Yeah, and it would be exciting to see him when we talk to Michael Dorado. He's yeah. gone through the whole spectrum of it mm -hmm. and is looking to get back in. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I, I would love to see you back in. Craig um, Dickerson, I want him to be back on oh, stage. Geez. Craig. Craig is fantastic. Yeah. So there are all these talents, and mm -hmm. it's not about the talent. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like when we talk about, you know, professional, what does that mean? Community versus professional theater. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a talent issue because there are elements of talent that mm -hmm. are 
in every spec every part of that spectrum right and it doesn't matter which where you are now your ability to follow through your mm-hmm. ability to stay focused your ability to have you been working those muscles so mm-hmm. that it isn't a learning curve for you every time you get into production but you're already right you're already ready right uh, those are different issues but i think Letting yourself have – like we do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote this pi- this piece, this play. Mm-hmm. Letting yourself see that as part of your identity yep. and therefore theater becomes sort of a subset within mm-hmm. your identity of these are things that I do. Mm-hmm. I think that is as valid as that person who just <coughs> – you know, is lucky enough. I know an actor in the South Bay who um, – I don't. I haven't heard his name recently, but I would bet if I looked him up, he's mm-hmm. working pretty steadily. And mm-hmm. at one point, he was working pretty steadily in the South Bay. Mm-hmm. And you talked to him about it, and he's like, "I don't know." Um, you know, he's kind of sheepish about it. But the fact is, he shows up for the auditions. Mm-hmm. He gets in. Mm-hmm. They're interested in him. And of course, if he's been seen on other stages down there, mm-hmm. they already know about him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're happy to see him, and he does a good job. And so they hire him. He keeps working. Yay for that person mm-hmm. who's that lucky. The rest of them are hustling, and they're going to – I remember um, a, one of my favorite people to talk about in Bay Area Theater mm-hmm. is James Carpenter, amazing actor. Mm-hmm. He's getting older, but um, – and I've seen him at auditions. Mm-hmm. But I also remember a story about him where one summer mm-hmm. or one season he had been ACT, Berkeley rep, and back when San Jose rep mm-hmm. um, existed mm-hmm. – he had been their boy. Like, their casting directors were actually talk about how they were going to work it out so that they could get him <laughs> when they wanted him. Yeah. Um, but there was one year where everybody kind of went, wow, no, not not this season. You know, they didn't like – it wasn't a conspiracy or anything. Mm-hmm. They just individually decided that they could go a season without some James Carpenter. Sure. And he ended up having to get a job like in a cafe or something. Mm-hmm. And I was I like, how I wonder how he felt about that. Well, I mean, he had a ride. I, he had his ride. Yeah, well, so. no. And then, you know, within the next, it probably wasn't even a whole season. Mm-hmm. But where he was working steady, 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 suddenly he wasn't working for a moment. Yeah. And it makes you have these doubts. It, it can be a crisis of identity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he got through it. And then, of course, the phone rang again because he's amazing. Yeah. And so if his identity was wrapped up in, mm-hmm. well, I'm just working and they all know me and they're all going to hire me. Yeah. Then when that doesn't happen, your identity becomes a crisis of identity. Sure. Rather than setting yourself up for that, be humble and happy Mm -hmm. about the fact that you're Mm -hmm. getting work. Keep your hustle on to the point that you're comfortable with it and then recognize when Mm -hmm. you're not that that period is over. And if folks ain't going to come after you, Mm -hmm. what else do you want to be doing? What else will satisfy you? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think a lot of folks create other projects when – the phone stops ringing because, mm-hmm. let's say, especially if you're a phone mi- always stops ringing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you could be a minority, and let's say some the theater companies that that can use a minority, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're working on other things. Like, it doesn't disappoint me when Susan Evans stops calling me because you know there are times where she will definitely call me, mm-hmm. and then she's working on another project where. I don't even I don't see myself. They're doing sense right. and sensibilities. I don't see myself in that. So right, that's no big and, deal. and it's supposed to be incredible. And from what the description I heard of it, mm-hmm. it sounds like she's doing stuff that is totally Susan Evans, mm-hmm. but she's doing it with this new take on old material. Mm-hmm. So her audience hopefully is getting a juicy experience of something that will make them more hungry yeah. for what Susan Evans likes to do. Right. But she's serving the material that yes. they think, oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, Susan Evans is a great example. She started out as an actress mm-hmm. 
hooked up with EastEnders, I believe. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. do think she did go to school for directing. I have to look back, yeah, listen back to did. the podcast. Well, she talked about it. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, but then she jumped into directing and hooked up with EastEnders, mm-hmm. and then she ping-ponged from EastEnders to the DMT, right. the Douglas Morrison Theater, and then to Town Hall Theater, right. all doing her type of work, right. where I really see her objective as twofold. Number one, she sees her um, commitment to the theater community to right. employ actors mm-hmm. that she likes, like... She sees it as a duty to, you know, let's say, find work for me or for Alan right. Coyne right. or for actors that she really wants to work right. with. But also, she sees a commitment to herself. Well, I should say threefold. To the community, to yeah. employ actors, right. for the company that she works with to uplift that um, whatever it is, whether it's the town hall. Uh-huh. She right. wants to uplift the town hall and make it into, you know, a better right. instance. And also to herself, because as an artist... What she does, like a new take on sense and sensibilities, right. or or um, even well, when we did well for sure. the Contra Costa County Theater, mm-hmm. she's bringing about women's issues yeah. in a different light, yeah. which is fantastic, which is what she's all about. Right. And it's one of the reasons why I wrote Four Men in Paris. I mean, I had been doing a lot of stuff to represent other people. Right. And I was like, hey, where's the theater that talks to me? Right. And so I said, well, you know, if I can't see the answer, I might as well be the answer. Yeah, and that is a beautiful evolution. I mm-hmm. mean, that is I, – I, yeah, I think we kind of covered this. Um, mm-hmm. That is a gorgeous way to be a vital artist. Mm-hmm. And in order to be a vital artist, you can be that vital artist who becomes shriveled and withered because you give your all to your art. Mm-hmm. Or you can be one who becomes that old – but still vital person, mm-hmm. and your art is still meaningful mm-hmm. to you and to the community, mm-hmm. that's a gorgeous place to get. Now, the overall um, culture here, the overall com- theater culture here, mm-hmm. you have to figure out how to let that nurture what you want to do. And right. each of us was going to find our own way. Mm-hmm. And I love talking about statistics on things because I feel like it's been my course in life. Mm-hmm. People say, well, you can't do that. Why can't you do that? Uh, you can't go to you can't go to college for theater mm-hmm. because you're not going to make any money in theater because mm-hmm. n- not nobody does. Mm-hmm. They have to admit, but mm-hmm. very few people do. So the statistics are against you. Mm-hmm. I would screw that. I don't really <laughs> want to do anything else. Right, right. I don't know that I'm going to make any money because that's all the message I'm getting from everybody is mm-hmm. I'm not going to make any money. Mm-hmm. But somebody makes money. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be me. Yeah. So I got out into it. Well, then I started doing work and same sort of thing. There are only so many black roles. Well, there are people willing to cast me in roles that weren't designated black. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can work with enough of those people that I can keep doing it. So I got mm-hmm. to do, like, I, at one point I got to do a run of Greek mm-hmm. Greek tragedies. That was incredible. Ah, Aeschylus, Euripides, it was It was yeah. wonderful stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think mostly we were, well, actually we did kind of bounce around, but it was Aeschylus and Sophocles, I think. Yeah. Uh, back and forth. Yeah. Um, but I did at least five of them, I think. Cool. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. And at a young point in my career. So these opportunities can come up even mm-hmm. though it's against the odds. Sure. Um, can you make a living doing this? Well, at a certain point, like I said, I was making enough money every year doing mm-hmm. theater that I went, well, what if I make that my full-time occupation? What if I have to hustle? Now, I don't get to do it as an actor. Mm-hmm. I don't get to do it as a director. I do it by filling in with some teaching. I do it by filling in with some other side jobs from time to time. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> the bike wine tour <laughs> is <laughs> sure. kind of a bizarre thing. Yeah. But I feel like I'm a little bit performing as I do it. I'm also 
really getting to share my love of the Bay Area and Oakland and mm-hmm. the history of this area and how it developed. Yeah. And I get a couple of glasses of wine. Yeah. And I get paid. You know, it's funny just listening to you because uh, I was thinking more about how people in general, even outside of the theater community, how do they survive in this world? You know, there are a lot of folks who are like, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to study mm-hmm. law or right. be a doctor. Right. And I've got it all lined up. By 20, I'll have this, and I'll have this job, and I'll have these degrees, mm-hmm. and I'll have my wife, my husband, my house, my kids, right. and everything will be perfect. Or by 30, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, you'll, you'll find in, inevitably, invariably, it doesn't work out as you have it on paper. Right. And people, there are some folks who are not flexible enough right. to do other things because they're so locked in. like. Oh, yeah. We uh, we had a paralegals meeting. Actually, maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. I went to a um, I went to uh, I think it's, it's Cal UCSF. Yeah, UCFF mm-hmm. SF, huh. and it was basically uh, a group of paralegals and mm-hmm. uh, a, a couple of representatives. Me and another person from the DA's office. We talked to these paralegals <coughs> about about career choices, mm-hmm. and I talked about being flexible because. You know, I went to school for theater. Right. I didn't go to school to, you know, be a paralegal. Right. But it became one of those things where, let's say I went on one job path. Matter of fact, when I got to school, when I got, um, when I received my acceptance letter from uh, from NYU, I hadn't thought about a career path. And my parents didn't think about a career path. They were mm-hmm. like, okay, hey, you got accepted. That's great. See you later. Let me know what you need. Mm-hmm. And throughout the 90s, um, Throughout the 90s, um, I basically just jumped into a temp agency and says, hey, just send me where, where you want me to go. Right. And I t- had to tell myself i got to be as flexible as possible to work mm-hmm. and to be whatever a company needed me to be at that time. Mm-hmm. I had sort of dropped theater at for, for a while because I just needed to work and pay off my student loans and mm-hmm. just function, uh, what have you. Right. But I guess my point is, if you're as flexible as possible, it's almost like being an actor. I mean, like they teach you, at least they taught me in acting school. If you can become at like a sheet of uh, like a, a blank sheet of paper mm. where a director can just write anything on you, then you're going to be hired for to do a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. You can do Greek hey. theater. You can do Shakespeare. You can be, uh, you know, like the an Andrew Lloyd Webber right. musical or what what have you. I mean, that's that's a whole other su- subject. Yes. <laughs> but I think that's where but our training goes. Our training says yes. that you should be able to do all these things. Sure. I think the reality of it is you're going to end up slotted at least at certain points in your career, mm-hmm. and that's all fine. You know, if I never do another musical, I'll be okay with it. If mm-hmm. I do nothing but musicals to the day I die. Mm-hmm. That's okay too. Yeah, <laughs> but let's say you're flexible enough to do a comedy, mm-hmm. and do a drama, right? And do I don't know some um, like Ubu Roy, right? Or, you know, theater of the ridiculous or something like that. Um, but that depends on just how, you know the the tool. What do they call it? The uh, what you have mm-hmm. within yourself. If you if you're flexible enough to do all of these things. Well, that's one of my students for the thing that we just finished um, told me. Excuse me. She loves coming to the atten- intensive because mm-hmm. she gets to be goofy. <laughs> okay. And she said in high school, yeah. they always give her the dramatic roles. And we kind of looked at each other when she said that. And, you know, the conversation, a short conversation, she walked yeah. walked off to do something. We're like, yeah. So wait a minute. We had to go back and revisit that. It was like her? Dramatic? 
I would like to see that because sure. I, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. And I can't imagine why anybody would cast her that way. Yeah, yeah. And there would be nothing more satisfying than to go see that mm-hmm. and be proven wrong to go, wow, she's an incredible dramatic actress, and I never knew it. Mm-hmm. And we all do it. We get slotted. We slot people. Mm-hmm. If you're that lo- actor who gets to have that wonderfully varied career, yeah, yay for you. If you're that actor that just ends up doing Shakespeare for the rest of your life, you can do that to the day you die. There's oh, old sure. characters if, in all of Shakespeare. Yeah, if you can make money and you and you're slotted for just one that one limited character or, or what have you, not to say limit, but yeah. you know you're slotted for that one thing. That's fine. Yeah. But I think in life in general, especially as your career as an actor, mm-hmm. you've got to be flexible because, like I said, the phone's not going to ring all the time. Right. And you're going to need other avenues just to survive. Yeah, that career spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, I hope if nothing else comes from this discussion, th- that career spectrum, you can't really predict where it's going to take you. Mm-hmm. You have to have a route. And I yep. guess as we started talking about this, the image that came to mind for me, one was that tree, so branches of the tree, but also the Oaklandish. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's a there's branches up in the sky, but there's also those roots. Yeah. If you are well-rooted... Mm-hmm. Because isn't it always, it's always shocking, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it can even hurt you to hear that some amazingly talented person, like the designer who just killed herself a couple weeks ago. Oh, I know, Spade, Kate Spade. Yeah. Um, You know, everybody's like, oh my God, how, that's horrifying and shocking. Well, number one, we don't know what's going on with her. Sure. So we don't know what battle she was doing, but number two... It doesn't matter your level of success. If you are not grounded in something, if you're not rooted in something Mm -hmm. that is nourishing, Mm -hmm. nurturing, healthy, then you can have all the success in the world, and the next thing you know, you're dead. Well, the next thing any of us know, we're dead. Sure, sure. But you have your life cut short Mm -hmm. because whatever success was going on, there wasn't enough foundation. There wasn't enough root Mm -hmm. to sustain that. Well, the, the Friday there was a shooting that happened right. in um, Baltimore, yeah. um, and I read a little bit upon that. Um, basically, it was yet another guy who got rejected by a woman. Oh, right. He uh, posted something on Facebook, and she was like, no, I'm not interested in you. Mm-hmm. She had to do a restraining order. The little local newspaper wrote an article about that. He sued that right. newspaper. And then, I don't know, there must have been some sort of triggering event that happened because, you know, these events happened a couple of years ago. Right. And then he grabs a gun, boom, you know the rest of the story. But, yeah, being grounded and dealing with rejection. And we've talked about this on other podcasts. Again, (laughs) another wonderful subject for us to to pull in. Yeah, but to make a long story short, you're going to deal with rejection, whether it be little rejection, big rejection. Let's say we we had Nick Mandrakia. Yeah. Who was a fantastic person and a fantastic actor? You remember him, the yeah, big burly of course, guy. Of and the uh, only hours after our podcast, his father had a heart attack, mm-hmm. but didn't pass away. I mean, right. hopefully he's doing okay. And also during the course of Civil War Christmas, um, when we did the show, he um, he had to go through. Um, he wis- he witnessed a mugging. Right. I think he was mugged, and mm-hmm. there were other things happening within him. Right. But on stage, he was right on it. He was yeah. just acting, and I mean, it was a release for him. He needed right. he needed to right. be on stage, but he wasn't going to let the moment carry him down. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you sort of need. Well, that's. I think that's a. That would be a good topic for another one: is of rejection course. and release. Exactly. You know, how do you, how do you deal? Because you have to. Right. But where is your career going to take you? Hmm. <laughs> You don't necessarily get to predict that, and mm-hmm. the more flexible you are about it, the more likely you are to have a wonderfully exciting career. I'm sure 
young Betty White mm-hmm. did not think to herself, <laughs> I want to play right. old people for the next 40 years. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm sure old Betty White goes, and they still keep calling. <laughs> wow. Well, that, that, that's talent. Um, and look, you're in the right place at the right time and not stuck. Yeah. How many women her age, <clears throat> when the Mary Tyler Moore show came up, yeah. saw that role or mm-hmm. even called for that role and went, yeah. oh, no, I'm not ready to be that. I'm not. And she just went, work. Yeah. Let's do it. As a matter of fact, it's, it's funny. I have uh, two, t- two funny – two stories. Mm-hmm. Basically, there was an actress named Perry who had uh, acted uh, – we did uh, Water Buffalo, yeah. which I'm pointing. the uh, and That's at the uh, upper uh, mm-hmm. left. I see. And um, so she played a character, and then we finished that production, and there was one guy, Raymond Ray, who was also in Water Buffalo. He directed The Marriage of Denton Boo mm-hmm. and was like, wow, I love Perry, you know, so I'm going to have Perry uh, play an older woman. Right. Clearly way older than who she is. Right. And Perry had accepted the role and then rejected it. It was one of those deals where she accepted it without looking at the script. Right. And she was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm playing an old woman? Oh, no, I'm not doing that. Right. Because she was like... Right. I'm, not, I'm not ready to do that. And we gave it to a much younger actress, Darcy Smith, mm-hmm. who is a natural comedic actor. I mean, sure. she, her, her comedy is just on point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she, and, we, and she had a fantastic time doing that role. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's basically, you know, if you limit yourself, that's fine. Right. The yeah, other thing said, I want, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cecilia Palmtech, she, uh, yeah. she was on yeah. The Yay, and mm-hmm. she's done work for The Flight Deck, mm-hmm. and she directed Lifetimes 3. And she told me something interesting as a woman. She said... She had read this article basically saying that when a woman reaches a certain age as an actress, right. then her shelf life for, I guess, I don't know, making it in movies or right. you know being the type of actor she wants to be mm-hmm. is cut off. Right. And I was like, well, what article is that? I'm not sure if I really agree with that. Mm-hmm. But she certainly bought into it. And she was like, well, that's I guess true. that's it. I mean, statistically, it's true. Yeah. But statistically. Yes. So how old was Kathy Bates when she blew up? Right. You know, that's exactly she right. She definitely didn't fit anybody's mm-hmm. image of what a, a movie actress should be. But yeah. Like I think about Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep had one career or, you know, she was cast as, you know, like the beautiful blonde actress. Right. Silkwood and a bunch of Kramer versus Kramer. And now, you know, she I, I would argue she has a much more vibrant career right now doing all sorts of cool stuff. She, she's had a great career the whole way through. She's, she's yeah. pretty amazing. But I, I wanted to talk before we close it up. Mm-hmm. We've been having yeah, a fun time yeah. <laughs> talking. But um, the cool thing about writing and getting involved with Four Men in Paris, mm-hmm. you know, I think about my career sort of as an actor. B- having worked, you know, at first I, ju- I joined – theater communities because I wanted to be a part of a community and I wanted to get my name known and the quickest mm-hmm. way of getting my name known is joining up with a community right. and sort of getting my acting chops back up because it had been a while since I went to school right. to get back on stage. So EastEnders helped with that and also Bay Stage which isn't around anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was stage one. right? And then stage two when I sort of became a born, well-known, I guess, known actor, and I sort of had my chops up. Mm-hmm. Then I ventured out of EastEnders and sort of just worked with other theater companies, right. both doing tech and also, you know, acting. And I got myself known with that. By the time I, I'm sort of making the evolution as a writer, um, I had already built up a, a, a sort of list mm-hmm. of actors who I've worked with, mm-hmm. actors who would want right. to work with me, right. and companies who've known me, yeah. so that by the time I can say, okay, I've written this piece, I'm going to submit this piece, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not just coming out of this out of the blue where nobody knows who I am. Right. 
I had already built up uh, a community of people who know me, like me, and want to work with me. Mm-hmm. And so it's really helped out. And I think just as a lesson, I think, for those who want to be involved in other things as well, that's one of the, the benefits of working with a community because mm-hmm. you can pull from that. Right. Like I'm sure you as an actor, when you become a director, you can call up folks and like, hey, you know, we were what on stage. Yeah. yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a great resource. It's not, not just that. It, to me, it represents the, the talent of the Bay Area. So. Mm-hmm. To say, yes, that person that was in show A would be good in show B, mm-hmm. and that helps them get, you know, seen so that they're, mm-hmm. you know, show C and, and on and on and on. Yeah. That, to me, is way more valid than this sort of what ends up happening if your focus on how to work in the Bay Area is what auditions are out there, mm-hmm. and you're just waiting for folks to, you know, call you and waiting for folks to post stuff, you know, instead of building relationships, instead of... Um, you know, like I go, when I go see shows now, it is mostly because of personal relationships. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I hear about other shows and they sound, sometimes they sound interesting to me. I'm more likely to go see the show where I know the people or I've heard Mm -hmm. something about the people that makes them worth, worth checking out. Um, because I'm interested in this talent pool and how we bring the world to life on our stages. So... And I think that is whether or not people recognize it. I think that is the definition of what Bay Area theater is. Yeah, I totally agree. Did we want to do? We're past the hour mark. Did yeah. we want to do shout outs and birthdays and all that stuff? I got I got birthdays. Cool. Um, today is Jonathan Minchu Gonzalez's birthday, and he and I did um, a school tour of um, Midsummer Night's Dream many many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, really comic guy, wonderful. Uh, he's a director and. He was the one I was talking about. He moved to Texas and got married, and they've got a kid, and, you know, it's going great. Oh, gosh, and David Stein, is that? That's right, today. Today? Yeah. And he's raising money for races. Everybody's heard about the um, R-A-I-C-E-S. Yeah, races. that's the Refugee and Immigration Center for Education and Legal Services. And they're helping all these folks that are getting swept up in this ridiculous net right now. Yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a plug on that. We'll... Um, a link so that you can donate or at least learn about it. Uh, Ed Decker, who runs the uh, New Conservatory Theater, his birthday is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Marissa Wolf, who used to be here and is now working someplace else in the country, I think as an artistic director, you know, powerful force. Um, her birthday's coming up. Robert Sicular, um, definitely another one of those old school actors, was part of, before there was Cal Shakes, there was Berkeley Shakes. Mm-hmm. He was part of that whole uh, world, Berkeley Shakes, the magic, um, Berkeley rep. And uh, and he continues. He was he's been up to Ashland for at least a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems to do some time, and then he comes back, and then he goes back up there. So <laughs> yay for him. Yeah. Um, Wes Lee is a um, young Filipino actor who you may know. Oh, um, don't know him. Myers Clark is African American actor. His birthday's mm-hmm. coming up. Fontana Butterfield Guzman. Um, actress that I know from, we went to school together at San Francisco State, and she is a wonderfully talented actress. Uh, Daddy Q, who now lives in New York. I'm not sure if she's still acting. Oops, I did not mean to go to anybody's page. And then another high school alum, Jessica Wadinsky, runs the um, tech department, I think for film, mm-hmm. at um, UCLA. Nice. And Lance Roger Axt, um, I went to college with, and he... Um, focuses a lot of his energy on doing radio plays. Mm-hmm. So he's um, been doing <coughs> that. And then I'll just add one more in because mm-hmm. 
um, just in case we don't get to it next week. Uh, Michael Dorado's birthday is coming up on Sunday. Mike, right on. Hey, Mike. So happy birthday to you. Oh, you got birthdays? Uh, just one other. You took the David Stein, and also on Friday, uh, Aureen Almario, who uh, used to run Bindlestiff, and now she is a she's a college professor. I mean, she's so young, but uh, mm. she is doing some amazing things. She and her sister uh, uh, Andrea Almario, and her mother. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a whole family of actors, really, really talented actors. And mm-hmm. uh, so her birthday is on Friday. And um, how about shows? Uh, I'm still being bad. I, I don't really have any shows. <laughs> it's okay. At this point. Um, Universal Robots, I'll pump that up. That's uh, produced by Quantum Dragon. That's uh, June the 29th, it's, so it started already mm-hmm. um, yesterday, and it runs until July the 4th. Mm-hmm. And Michael Greeley and uh, Luel Senores, as well as and other that's folks. that's the Phoenix Theater, right? That's right, the yeah. Phoenix Theater. Also, White. I was hoping you'd say White. <laughs> Shotgun Players. Um, that is not open yet, but it will. Uh, July the 8th mm. uh, runs until yeah. August the 5th. And Jed Presario. As a matter of fact, he talked about White. He talked about, yeah. Looking so, forward to so that. So that'll be a shotgun. Also, uh, this is something that um, Valerie Week talked about last week. Two Mile Hollow. Oh, right. By Ferocious Lotus. Ferocious, Ferocious Lotus. Lotus. Yes. <laughs> so that opened on June the 23rd. King, uh, Crystal. Yeah. Yes. So that will, uh, and that runs until. And that's got an incredible cast. I, every time I look at that photo, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. man, I got to see this. Yeah, that, yeah, they're fantastic. They run until July the 15th. So we'll have um, plugs for that. That is it, man. So We did it. Yeah, we did it. Nobody died. <laughs> and I'll also plug, um, so if you haven't heard, we're uh, auditioning for Foreman in Paris. Right. And uh, that will be at the um, the small, what is it, small space? It's, uh, I'll, I'll have a, um, a link for I'll it. have a link for it. Mm-hmm. But that'll be on July the 15th. That'll be the, uh, the auditions, and we have callbacks July the 22nd. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a sign-up sheet for anyone who wants to be involved in that. And we're excited about it. Yeah. We're moving forward. We yeah, looked at the space. And we're, we're getting a lot of support from the Douglas Morrison Theater, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. All right. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and search for the Yay. You can find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat. You can look up a Hoosier Hoosier, which is <laughs> who's, right. Hoosier Hoosier mm-hmm. for Norman and Reg Space Clay for me, both on Twitter and um, Snapchat. Are you using Instagram too? I, I've got an account. I barely look at it. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't understand. I'm still learning what the difference is, is between all these different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, so am I. But either way, uh, that or Facebook, and look us up, and, uh, and we'll take it from there. Yay. And, and we, we got to find, find a better, better sign-off. Sign and that's it. 